Welcome to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, along with my co-host, former Ravens tight end, Daniel Wilcox. And today we will be setting up what is the biggest game of the year for the Ravens, no doubt about that. They go to Cincinnati with the AFC North lead on the line. Just to set it up, the Bengals are 8-6, and six, the Ravens are 8-6, and six, Pittsburgh, which just never seems to go away, is 7-6-1, and one, and the Cleveland Browns are 7-7. Seven and seven. It's a remarkably tight division, but the Bengals have that 41-17 win over the Ravens in the bag, and so if the Bengals were to beat the Ravens today, not only would they be up a game on the Ravens with two to play, but they would have a season sweep over the Ravens, and the, the Ravens' path to the division title would really become difficult. On the other hand, if the Ravens can pull off the win, they're suddenly a game ahead of the Bengals and, again, would control their own destiny for the division. But for the Ravens and for the Bengals, they both know the stakes. Daniel Wilcox, how much do players kind of focus on one game like this? I know it's a 16-game season when you played a 17-game season now. Will those players in the Ravens locker room this week, will they, will they know the stakes involved? And, does, and how much does that pressure change how they operate? Absolutely. I mean, we are excited about games like this. I mean, this is a conference game, divisional game, um, and this is one of our rival teams. I mean, we're going to be 100% amped up and ready. We understand the stakes of it, and we know we took a tough loss to them early in the year. Um, I think that was the game that Jamar Chase had that crazy catch and, you know, bounced off like four or five guys and took off running for like 100 yards for a touchdown. You know, so we don't forget those type of things, you know. You know, so we – we're definitely going to be up to play this game. We understand the stakes of it, and we understand how this this is us trying to control destiny again, you know, for the Baltimore Ravens. I always say the road to the playoffs goes through Baltimore anyway, you know. So if you want to win, you know, you got to go beat the tough games. This is another tough game. I mean, this this entire season, I feel like week in and week out, you're playing against an admirable opponent. It's not a league of bad teams anymore, you know, where you got a ton of bad teams and you got like one or two, three teams at the top. Every freaking body is good. Everybody got a, a dynamic quarterback. Everybody got a great, you know, receiver and great defensive ends. And this is going to be a game that is just like the Pittsburgh game. It's going to be a bunch of guys get beat up and banged up because we're going to come and hit hard. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of trash talking. You know, this used to be the Chad Johnson game every year. You know, you see Chad Johnson over there with his gold teeth in his mouth talking trash. And then he the skinniest guy on the field. And you're like, Chad, shut up. And he won't stop talking. You know, so, I mean, this is this this should be a pretty, pretty beat them up, bang, bang game, you know, for both teams. And I think I think I, I mean, I don't even think I, I know the Ravens going to come out on top of this one. We're due for a win. We're due for a W. Um, we're going to we're going to put it together this week. Lamar will be back. And then we're going to we're going to put some things in action. I almost feel like we need to go two quarterbacks and and put Lamar and Huntley in the backfield at the same time and just let the ball snap to whatever one grabs it first. And then just go play ball. <laughs> well, that would be interesting. The Ravens haven't. John Harbaugh said earlier this week that they they were anticipating Lamar Jackson would play. They'll have they'll be monitoring his status throughout the week to see if he's available. But let's let's be honest. After watching Tyler Huntley against Green Bay, the Ravens will have no reservations about putting Tyler Huntley on the field for this game. And Tyler Huntley, if he were you know if he's pressed to start, would certainly be. Uh, he would come at this game with a, with some confidence after the way he played against Green Bay with two passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns and had the Ravens on the verge of that huge upset. Let's face it, oh, this has I, I don't I don't I don't know about that, Bo. I mean, I I think if Lamar is 100 percent, he's ready to go. It's like, are you going to sit Jordan down to start Pippen? No, no, no. You you got you got a Pippen. 
You got a Pippen now. He's he's gonna come up. He's gonna ball. He's gonna have a heck of a game. But it's still Michael Jordan. No, that's if <laughs> if Jackson is available. I mean, they have to know yeah. if he's a hundred percent. We don't know if he's gonna be hundred percent. The question. Oh, the real, I got you. I got the you. real question is if Lamar Jackson's seventy five percent or seventy percent. What are you doing? You already know what I'm doing. Let's go, Pippen. Come on, Huntley. Let's go play ball, baby. If he's if he's not a hundred percent, I'm not putting him. Out. I just don't risk Lamar Jackson getting hurt. You know, severely hurt you know, with an injury already. And what happens is when you take these injuries, especially ankle or lower extremity injuries, you, you start having an overcompensation thing for the other part of the body. You know, so if it's my right ankle or my left ankle, then the other one overcompensates. And then my calf muscles kind of throw it off, my hips thrown off a little bit, my lower back's thrown off. And, and something small could be something really, really bad. Like the Durant, um, the, the you know, the Durant freaking um, Achilles injury he ended up having. Right. You know, it wasn't an Achilles injury at first. He goes out and tears his Achilles trying to go back to play in the game. And he shouldn't have been playing. You know, so I think you let Lamar sit another week if he needs to sit another week. Tyler Huntley has proven to be an admirable, admirable player for you. Uh, he's definitely not a backup, you know. But so when you see a guy like him perform the way that he performs, he's making a name for himself in this league as well. Uh, I think you continue to roll the dice with him versus, you know, putting your quarterback at jeopardy. You know, especially when you're going to need them for the playoffs. Yeah, so now let's look at this last time these teams played. The Bengals win it. Let's face it, the Ravens have to go to Cincinnati angry because they got beat down by the Bengals in this game. And the score, it got out of hand late. The Bengals were leading 13-10 to 10 at the half. The Ravens actually took the lead in the third quarter on a touchdown pass from Jackson to Marquise Brown. They're up 17-13 to 13 in the third quarter, and it looks like for all their struggles, they're on their way. And then the Bengals scored the last 28 points of the game. And you mentioned that the touchdown pass to Chase, just a five-yard slant. The Ravens failed to tackle him, and next thing was 80-yard touchdown. But that came after an earlier touchdown when the Ravens just kind of lost C.J. Ozuma, the tight end. There was a coverage breakdown, and he gets wide open downfield by 10 yards. Early in the game, Uzoma had beaten Marlon Humphrey for a big touchdown. Um, and then the, the Bengals got two touchdowns late in the game where, quite frankly, it looked like the Ravens had just kind of quit. Uh, and that was not something you almost, you almost never see that from a Ravens team, and you certainly don't see them get beat down at home like they did. They lost that game 41-17 to at home. So they go to Cincinnati, an angry team for sure, and I know that they believe they are much better than that score showed in that game. The Ravens, though, will be shorthanded. We don't know about Lamar Jackson, but, I mean, we've talked about their injuries, right? They're not going to have Marcus Peters. They're not going to have Marlon Humphrey. They're not going to have Deshaun Elliott. We don't know what the COVID list will will look like by the, by Sunday. As we saw, by between Saturday night and Sunday, this past week they added two players to the COVID list, so that's always a wild card. On the offensive line, Tyree Phillips, who was filling in for Patrick McCarry, who was filling in because Ronnie Stanley was hurt. This domino effect on the offensive line, we don't know what those guys, the status of them will be. We don't know whether fullback Patrick Ricard will be back. Tavon Young was put in the concussion protocol after the during the Packers game. So there are plenty of concerns. I will say John Harbaugh was pleased with how this offensive line held up against Green Bay, and that was with Ben Cleveland, the rookie, making his first start at left guard, and with David Sharp, who was a practice squad elevation, thrown into the right tackle job after Tyree Phillips got hurt. And he thought Sharp played really well. So it's, it's, it's going to be another more roster gymnastics to try to put this team on the field. But to me, when I think back to that Bengals game, the two things that's resurf- that surfaced in that game that have been a consistent problem all year, defensive miscommunication, which led to the two long touchdowns by Uzoma, 
and then missed tackling, which led to the huge touchdown by Chase. And it's easy to say, take those plays away, and it's a game. You take those plays away, it's a game, but they've been doing it all year. Joe Burrow, Bengals, they have Chase, they have T. Higgins, they have Tyler Boyd, who's who has been a Bengal, Ravens killer over the years. How does this, this specific defensive group stop Burrow and the Bengals? They have to be consistent. They just have to play smart. Um, they're going to do everything they can to keep these guys in front of them like they always do. The Ravens always play smart defense on the back end. You know, the front end just got to put pressure on Burrow, you know, to try to not let him sit back there and just get comfortable. You want to try to make sure you disrupt his rhythm as much as possible throughout the game. And um, and, and you got you have to put your best guy on um, on Jamar Chase, you know, and you got to bring somebody over the top and pay attention to him the entire game. You can't allow him to dictate how this game goes for you. Eliminate their best players, you know, Joe Burrow, uh, Mixon, and then Jamar Chase. You, you 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 eliminate those three guys, and then the Ravens win the game. You know, if you don't eliminate those three guys, it's going to be a long night for Baltimore. Real simple. Chase with eight catches, 201 receiving yards in the last meeting. And, of course, 80 of them came on that one long play. I mean, that is the secret, right? Eliminate their best player. You talk about make uh, yes. Joe Burrow uncomfortable. Uh, <clears throat> Justin Matabike had a big sack on Aaron Rodgers late in that game. It would, it would be great to see some kind of interior pressure like that. Justin mm-hmm. Houston was put on the COVID list earlier this week. We don't know whether he'll be available, but a guy like Adafi Owe, who's been kind of quiet the last few games, it would be nice to see him step up in this one as well. Let me ask you, if you're the if you're the Cincinnati coaches and you're in those meeting rooms this week and you have Jackson and Huntley, Huntley or Jackson, who's going to play, who's not going to play? We've talked a lot about how perfect a compliment Huntley is to Jackson, how he's so good to as the backup quarterback to be able to run this offense. Is that an advantage for this Cincinnati team that regardless of the quarterback, this offense they have to worry about isn't much different? Or how does a coaching staff go about preparing for two, potentially two different quarterbacks? Um, I don't think they have to prepare for two different quarterbacks. I think Huntley and Jackson is, is almost identical. Um, when you see, when you give Jackson time, when he's in the game and you give him time, he, he does the, he did the exact same thing that Huntley did. You know, he throws the ball extremely well, puts the ball right where it's supposed to be, finds his open targets, et cetera. And then when you put him in a situation where you pressure him and he gets a chance to get his wheels rolling, I mean, he can hurt you really, really bad, just like Huntley can, you know? So I think you're preparing for the same type of quarterback, no matter what. I mean, it's almost identical watching eight and two, you know, they look like the same exact player. If you don't, if you take the numbers off the jerseys, you wouldn't know the difference, you know? And um, so I think since he is preparing for this game, the exact same they were, the same way they were prepared for Lamar Jackson. At the same time, they understand just like I was saying, we got they got to eliminate the best players. They got to take away Mark Andrews. They got to find a way to lock Mark Andrews up so that he don't have a hundred yards receiving on you. And um, and then they they, they just got to play smart with the rest of the DBs, you know, as far as you know, contain, containing the rest of the wideouts. And they got to force. Huntley to beat them with the other receivers and not Mark Andrews, you know, and I think that's the Mark Andrews is the key right now to our offense. He's the center of the offense and he's making play, play out the play, big plays. He's coming up in clutch times for you. You know, he's the go-to guy. So you, to me, you have to eliminate Mark Andrews. If you sense he, if you smart, you know, you take him away and then you prepare for Huntley the exact same way you would prepare for Lamar Jackson. You put a spy on him, keep somebody in the middle of the field, and then you make sure your ends go up field hard, but not so hard where they allow him to, you know, to, to kind of go up and under, up and out. You want him to have to step up in the pocket, period, you know, and then force him to stay in that pocket and not, you know, not get to the edges. When, they, when these guys scramble outside and they, and they break contain the ends, 
break contain, you know, that allow him to be able to take that sideline and open up the field and have his vision, be able to see the ball down, see the, see the receivers downfield and make big throws and be able to scramble for long runs at the same time. So they have to contain him, keep him inside the pocket as much as possible, and then put a spy in the middle. So if you do decide to run up, then um, the spot could come down and make that play for him. Yeah, Andrews had three catches for 48 yards in the meeting in October against Cincinnati. So they did a decent job of containing him. Uh, mm-hmm. Marquise Brown had five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown in this game. And Rashad Bateman, in one of his first games, had three catches for 80 yards. You talked about uh, breaking containment, whether it's Jackson or Huntley. I could see the Packers edge rushers getting frustrated because they thought they had Huntley in the pocket. And then he does a little spin move and he's outside the pocket. Like you said, then he gets to the sideline. And where they thought they had him stopped, he either extends a play or he's able to you know, run up field for eight or ten yards. So they're both extremely good at that. And it's always interesting when you talk to other teams, they will spend this week in practice with most likely a lot of these teams. What they'll do is they'll take their fastest practice squad defensive back or wide receiver. And that player will simulate Jackson or simulate Huntley in practice this week. And he'll be the quarterback for these looks because they want that speed element and it's still a hard thing to practice. You can't simulate the way, especially with Lamar Jackson, you cannot simulate the way he kind of improvises once things break down. There's no way to practice that, and Huntley did a good job of that as well. Let's talk about Cincinnati because I think one of the biggest issues, one of the biggest differences between these two teams is just the intangible sense of the pedigree. Uh, The Ravens, frankly, have a culture of winning, and the Bengals don't. And that's not to say the Bengals haven't had a few good years in the past, but they haven't had a winning season in four years. 2015, I believe, was their last time they made the playoffs. They have not won a playoff game since 1990. That's wow. when Boomer Esiason and the <clears throat> Icky Shuffle days, if you remember those Cincinnati Bengals teams, that's right. So they're they're the front runners right now. And the question is, can they stay there? Does that culture, does that background, does that history, does it matter in a game like this? Or, or you know, this is a different Bengals team. It's a different Bengals coach, a different, different Bengals quarterback. Is all that past gone when you when you're when you're this Cincinnati Bengals team? Nah, it's it's not. You know, it's it's no different from like uh, the fans saying, "All right, you got, we got a curse on us. We can't get past this curse." You know, you kind of stigmatize yourself and put yourself in a hole. And when you're a winning program, you compete. You always compete. And you're watching the Ravens do it week in and week out. They're competing. These games are coming down to the wire. I mean, this is picking pay-per-view TV when watching the Baltimore Ravens play. You know, and they're going to compete. They're going to compete to the end of every single game. It doesn't matter if they're down by 21, down by 30. They're going to find a way to try to battle back, to get in the game and, and give themselves a chance to win. Um, when the Falcons lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots. You know, everybody's like, oh, this game's over. The Falcons was up 30 points in the first half, but the Patriots has that pedigree. The Falcons didn't, you know, and they battled back, they battled back, they battled back and put themselves in the opportunity to win at the end. Next thing you know, Tom Brady is the greatest player of all time, you know, so it's just part of, you know, that pedigree is really, really important. When, you, when you're when a recruit coming out of high school and you're choosing colleges, you're choosing that pedigree. You want that winning tradition. You're trying to go somewhere that you feel like you, oh, you're going to come out with a bow ring. That's why Alabama is so good. You know, so right now when you go into when you go play a team like Cincy, you know they got that pedigree of shutting it down when they get beat up. You know, you jump out on them early, so you plan to jump out on them early, and hopefully they'll shut it down because that pedigree is always shut it down. You know, it takes like a really really dynamic situation to change the dynamics of a program that's that's been struggling for a long time. Um, and and it and it takes dynamic players. 
You know, it takes a bunch of dynamic players to do it. And the crazy thing is, like, you look at teams like Cincy and Cleveland, you know, they've been bad for a while. So when you see them have all these players, they have a bunch of first-round picks on their on team a lot of times. And you're like, how do they have all these first-round picks and they're not very good? You know, it's something else, you know. And, and I try to express to people all the time, Bo, like the dynamics and the chemistry of a team is important. You know, you the confidence of players, the confidence of coaches is really, really, really important. And it starts at the top, you know. It starts at the very top of, of a franchise, the top of, of, of an organization, and it kind of trickles down, you know. So you have to come into these games knowing that you have the best players in the league and that you got an opportunity to win every game. And a quarterback is always, to me, the first start of a franchise changing its its stripes. Well, and we talked about, I mean, and, and they did. The, the, the Bengals talked about you need dynamic players to change the culture. They, they have them. I mean, they have them mm-hmm. now. They have Joe Burrow. They have Jamar Chase. They have Joe Mixon. They have mm-hmm. a lot of good players. Like you said, they... The idea is when you struggle, you get the top draft picks. And we saw the you know, Cleveland's got a host of number one draft picks. Cincinnati's got number one draft picks, first round draft picks, high draft picks. Right. And they have the dynamic players. They definitely have the dynamic players needed to reverse uh, what's been the trend in Cincinnati. So, so this game this week is going to dictate a lot about whether the Bengals have arrived or whether – the Ravens' culture kind of overtakes them and can again hold on. But again, this isn't the end of the season. If the Bengals were, if the Ravens were to win this game and take over the division lead again, right. they've still got to deal with the Los Angeles Rams and Cooper Cup, who has like a million receiving yards. And then, of course, they end the season with the Steelers. So, and that game could end up being to decide the division title, depending on what happens in Cincinnati. So. It is going to be a wild last few weeks, especially beginning with this game against the Bengals. And the Ravens know they have everything to play for uh, when they go to Cincinnati on Sunday. We will see what happens, and then it will be a sprint to the finish line. And as I said earlier this week, at this point, you just hope that COVID doesn't have the last say with what happens this NFL season. For Daniel Wilcox, this is Bo Smolka on the Believe in the Ravens podcast on the Believe Podcast Network.